It's time to hand over to our first speaker, Hussain Raspberry, who's joining us remotely. Um, Hussain is a design researcher who has worked in a range of different um, contexts, both designing sort of consumer-facing um, applications and, and mobile apps for really specialist uh, subject matter expert type users. Um, they're going to be talking about how they go about design research for that really expert cohort um, and how it's different from consumer-based applications. So, without any further ado, um, please join me in welcoming Hussain to our screens. Hello, Hussain. Hi, everyone. My name is Hussain Raspberry, and I'm so excited to be here today to talk about researching complex systems and how to adapt our processes in such settings. And first, I would like to ask you, have you ever researched a topic that was too complex for you to understand? Or have you ever felt that the type of feedback you were receiving during a research session wasn't quite at the level of your understanding? If so, you are not alone. When I switched to become a researcher for a development platform without much domain knowledge of the field, I heard things like this from our users. I know the product inside and out, and maybe better than you do. So when hearing this and other similar comments from our users, I started to have cold sweats and I felt overwhelmed because in the context of my job, I transitioned from researching a range of consumer-focused products, such as banking applications and streaming services, and then now to a platform that's built by and is used by developers. So I started learning the main specific concepts. I started taking bootcamp trainings and the more of those courses I took, the more I understood, but I was still overwhelmed and here's why. Just think about how you would explain the typical UX research process. It usually involves these steps, identifying and prioritizing research questions and project objectives, defining the research methods, recruiting participants, executing the research. And once the research is wrapped up, you may carry on with other projects while making sure that your stakeholders are not going to suffer from research amnesia and that the insights from the research are not forgotten. But this process gets a little absurd when you start researching expert users, and products that require domain knowledge of a specific field. In my very first interviews with my stakeholders and users, all I was hearing was gibberish. So I was asking myself, how am I going to conduct user sessions and go out into the field if I don't understand the technical language of those users? And worse than that, how was I going to write detailed discussion guides and research plans if I was not yet familiar with the ins and outs of our product? So this is the essence of my talk, and I'm pleased today to share with you some of the lessons I learned when I was going through this transition. We will dive into these three topics today. First, we will chat about what complexity means and how the users of generalist apps differ from expert users. I'll make sure to share some examples to make it all make sense. 
Next up, I want to introduce participatory research and how it saved the day when I was researching topics that were a bit over my head. This was a game changer, and I can't wait to share how it all went down. And finally, a mindset shift that helped me stop panicking and helped me move forward, especially during onboarding with our products. But first, let's start with differences. In our everyday life, we all employ different kinds of apps as users. We navigate the streets online, we plan our trips, we book tickets online. But have you thought about what's behind the scene for professionals who create and have control over these services and the types of interfaces that they use? Usually the apps we use every day merely scratch the surface and they conceal the complexity underneath. The people working in the backstage, they use different interfaces and we don't get to see that backstage often unless we are part of that backstage group. So this is a reason I gathered an example for us. What you see here is an application that is widely used in the Netherlands to check the train schedules and book the train tickets online. And here, the interfaces are used by schedule administrators who have control over displaying the changes in a schedule, train cancellations and delays, which are then later displayed in the mobile app. And going one level further, the interface here is used by developers who partially create those environments that are then later used by ticket customers as well as, as, well as uh, schedule administrators. And as you can see, Complex apps are varying in the types of workflows and end users they support, from research scientists to architects. And in my case, it was for professional developers. But regardless of the end users, these apps are sharing similar qualities that differentiate their users from generalist apps. For instance, there is an over-reliance on training. These apps develop a rigorous focus on pre-qualified users and extensive training, and that's why they also require hefty onboarding. Another difference is that these apps help expert users deal with accomplishing non-linear objectives without a predefined workflow for task completion. They basically allow users to create custom workflows and organize tasks in ways that work best for their specific projects rather than being limited to linear processes. I'll give an example of this in a moment. One major and noticeable difference in these apps is how complex apps prioritize pragmatic functionality over aesthetics. For such apps, the obvious is the king, and there is usually little or no space left for non-functional. And because of that, there is also high information density. Here's an example of an application that emphasizes pragmatics, and it's used by engineers who analyze the reason behind the highest spikes in bandwidth usage. For a user that constantly needs to deal with on structured goals, they develop a sense of urgency to see everything all the time and at the same time. And that means the interface 
should have high information density to support those large amount of functionalities, such as real-time data and execution capabilities, all organized in a way that works best for the expert users. And all these unstructured goals that we are talking about, they are actually perceived to be highly rewarding for the users because user effort is an integral part of the creative process. And the complexity is often equated with value and sophistication. However, making a differentiation between apps by complexity could maybe sound patronizing, which is not my intention here. The complexity and the differentiation comes from the degree these apps surface that complexity. For example, think about the experience of using Adobe Illustrator compared to a simpler tool like Canva. It's technologically complex to create both of these tools, but one is displaying what happens where complexity is the key and the other displays what happens where simplicity is the key. And both of them are made to be easy to use for their users for a reason. And that depends on the context, mental model, and the skill set of those users. And sometimes what expert users need to do might be difficult for us to understand because we may lack the domain knowledge to understand the intricate nuances involved in those users' complex problem solving. In my case, as a researcher, of course, I can apply the conventional research process to any setting and application. Before becoming a UX researcher, I was using the same process in academia. But now in this new context, because of my limited domain knowledge, the process in itself couldn't help me understand such, te such technically advanced users who were frequently working with our feature-dense applications. So how did I bridge this gap? And how did I adapt my processes in such situation? So this is where participatory research came to the game to create the balance and to also help with digesting complexity. And meanwhile, helping me to reduce the hefty onboarding I was going through to understand some of our applications. Participatory research, or from now on, let's refer to it as PR, is it's about engaging those who are not necessarily trained in research, but belong and represent the interest of people who are the focus of research. So simply put, it's about designing, developing, executing the research, even synthesizing the data while being inclusive of users throughout the whole process. Does it maybe sound like participatory design where we involve our users with our design craft? Yes, and that's because PR is nothing new. It's one of the ancestors of participatory design, and it can be traced back to 1940s and 50s when sociologists began to question this traditional top-down approach to research. And they started exploring some new ways for involving the participants throughout the research process. And since then, it's been adapted and used in all different kinds of fields and industries from digital design to urban design, public health, and more industries. But how is this done in the context of our work? So designing and developing research plan is one thing, knowing the subject to come up with those plans and to identify those research needs is something else. 
For highly technical products, you don't necessarily have to sweat to perfectly understand the product if you want to identify those research needs and if you want to come up with research roadmaps. For such products, I'm a huge proponent of co-creating with the users. And the more complex the system, the more I advocate for this approach. Of course, this is not a universal method, but I will tell you how this worked out for us in the context of our job. So before getting started, we had to have some foundational blocks in place before infusing this method into our everyday process. And the first thing was to identify the internal users. I had to find out whom I could add as an addition to my core group of stakeholders when designing research. In our case, this was not very difficult because we have teams of people who use our applications to create apps that are used in-house. So depending on the project, I was reaching out to one or two internal users, and I was setting intentions on the type of feedback I was seeking, and then I was collaborating with them at all the different phases of research. But how is this collaboration done in practice? So by collaboration, I mean that I involved them, especially when I was writing discussion guides and when I was writing my research plans. I was making sure they understand that active disagreement is part of the collaboration. So I gave them the tools to disagree with me as much as possible. They were given access to my all the research plans, my notes, they could leave comments. And they were especially invited to brainstorming sessions with other stakeholders. So they could re-explain concepts that we didn't understand. And most of all, they found ways to optimize questions and form hypotheses that wouldn't cross my non-technical brain. And that's how we could make sure that our research was going to fit the context of expert users we were going to study. Later on, when it came time to conducting field visits and user sessions, the same internal users were also sitting with me throughout those sessions with external users that were recruited as research participants. These internal users or my research allies were joining as observers and note takers. So when research questions arose, this way I spent less attention on understanding the product and getting bogged down with its technical details. And instead, I was spending my attention on understanding the stories told by those users, their context and their mental model. And that just helped me have an equal foot as my observers in understanding the users. When it came time to synthesis, PR also helped me with creating less room for assumptions. You know, if I'm listening to a recorded user interview and then I kind of try to tag the script, I may say, okay, this is what they might have meant by this phrase or this context. But when I involved my internal end users through the synthesis, I could ask them questions and they could re-explain concepts I couldn't understand. And we could build sort of a journey map and they were working with me to understand it. So that allowed for just a ton of context and I could really understand concepts better.
In terms of research ownership, there are differences between PR and conventional research. In PR, it is end users that explain to the researcher the subject matter at hand, they, and they also are involved during the research design phase so that they can help with rephrasing their questions. So when the researcher goes out into the field, the expert users can relate to the topic and both the researcher and the user can speak more or less the same language. Overall, the process in itself is emphasizing inclusivity and it's helping the researcher to get engaged with the users at all the different phases of research, be it through the synthesis or when it comes time to presenting the findings and broadcasting the insights. And in my experience, I think this also helps with creating projects and making them more meaningful because it, the projects can get the benefit of the collective wisdom of both the researcher as well as the end users, which in turn also creates more meaningful findings that can be translated into action. But you may wonder, what are the boundaries of PR? To what extent should we involve our allies? I remember for one of my first projects, I only consulted with end users to gather information about the technicalities of the product. And I soon then realized that while consulting with them was really useful, but it had limited the depth of understanding I could have achieved. So on another project, which was heavily related to the interface of our product, I decided to take a different approach. So I collaborated with my internal users at all the different phases. And even when it came time to presenting the findings, I asked help from them. And they joined me on those presentations to stakeholders to provide specific examples and in-depth explanations of how certain features worked. And I was really thrilled to see that simply by involving them throughout the process, we could kind of actualize the main goal of PR, which is knowledge production in a more democratic manner. We should be aware though, PR is not that harmless. When you involve internal end users as your research partners, sometimes it can lead them to believe that all of their feedback will be heard and acted on. For one of my studies, which was very interesting to one of these internal end users, one, one of my research partners joined me and he was excited about the topic of the study. He joined several field studies and provided his feedback after each sessions. And as the project progressed, he began to realize I was not taking all his feedback into account. And he felt maybe I was not interested anymore in collaboration. And this was a mistake that could be avoided right from the beginning if I would have explained the purpose of participatory approach. So since then, I make sure that I make it clear for my research allies that they understand that I do trust them and I do need their help throughout the whole research process because they do know about the subject matter at hand way better than I do. And I'm there as the researcher to facilitate the sessions and also to prioritize research needs as the project is progressing. Besides PR, something else that helped me 
feel less overwhelmed when I was going through my transition to researching expert users was a mindset shift. For consumer-focused products, I could always become either a user or go through short trainings to learn about the ins and outs of those products. But when I started researching complex apps targeting expert users, I started to realize that thinking as much as possible like a journalist was going to help me a lot. What I mean is that I was in many meetings with the least expertise in the room, and yet I was the dedicated researcher. All these people I was working with, the PMs and the designers, they always knew about the subjects way better than I did, but that didn't mean that I couldn't research or document my work expertly. Just like how journalists do, it's about identifying and asking the right questions, and a lot of them. So to wrap up my talk, we can have a lot of conversations about empathizing with users, designing with users, and advocating for them, but we can never be as great advocates as themselves. Expert users are different, but the processes of research are almost the same. By involving them into the process, they can contribute to make the research more impactful by infusing empathy for those who come from the same place as them. And remember, our job as designers and researchers is to understand users. And even if you are not researching or designing a complex system, but you ever struggle with the topic or with infusing a method into your process, you can always reinvent the wheel or adapt the existing frameworks into the context of your job. In order for me to do that, I was relying on lots of books and blogs that were explaining how participatory research and complexity work in practice. I hope you find them useful. Thank you so much for listening.